Hey there, lady. My name is Molly Conley, and I'm devoted to helping women reinvent their love lives, whether that's after divorce, dating on and off the apps, or in their committed relationship. Why? Because I've been there. I'm a former college athlete who filed for divorce three years into marriage, swam in the online dating pool into my late 30s, and now I am married to the man of my spreadsheet dreams who I met four months before the world shut down. As a dating and relationship coach, I help my clients shift the focus from being obsessed with finding Mr. Right to shifting to herself as Miss Right Now. We build a foundation filled with clarity, connection, and confidence, knowing she is worth waiting for. Each week on the podcast, I'll bring you love life insights and savvy guests where you will receive the courage to release programmed limiting beliefs. Discover patterns and behaviors restricting you from finding and attracting quality men and ways to choose yourself first so you can build a foundation for a healthy relationship with yourself and a partner. Hey there, lady. Welcome back to another episode of Reinventing the Arena. After chatting with a few women about the recent masterclass about self-care and self-love, I thought, why not share it here on the podcast? Now, I'm not getting into the different types of self-care like bubble baths and that sort of stuff. I'm sharing the differences in self-care as what we've been told to believe and then the real self-care we need, especially as women to really love ourself. And that self is with a capital S. I'm going to go over the missing links between self-care and self-love, what sabotaging behaviors appear in your self-care, and how they affect your love life. Plus, you'll hear a few real, you know, self-care shifts that can help you connect to yourself for personal growth and how these shifts will help your love life. But before we get started, remember that tomorrow is the last day to apply for Building Love Inside and Out. I won't be running this group coaching course again until next fall, and the price will be increasing. If you have any questions, please include them in your application form, and I will reach out to you once I return from vacation on September 11th. You can also listen to episode 58 as it's a recording from the private Q&A for the ladies who joined the waitlist earlier this year. All right, lady, let's get this episode started. Okay, so what's care got to do with it is going to be about what's getting in your way of finding love. Today's agenda has three main pillars, and the first one is self-care. We're going to dive into what people think it is. We're going to talk about um, what self-care really is, and then the missing parts that are actually linking between self-care and self-love. Then we're going to jump into the self-care routines. And this, if you have been listening to the podcast, if you've been following me on Instagram or taking it master classes before, you know that I'm all about the sabotaging behaviors and how they show up in your relationships. But today we're going to talk about how they show up in your self-care routines and how that really impacts your love life. Then the third pillar, we're going to get into self-care shifts that are going to help you connect to yourself at a deeper level and how those can help you in your love life. I'm on a mission to help ambitious women like yourself overcome self-sabotaging behaviors, have the courage to release dating patterns, and discover ways so that you can choose yourself first to build a healthy and um, stable foundation for a healthy relationship with yourself 
and a partner. Before we get started on all things self-care, I wanna normalize a few things. So when we first learned about self-care, we thought this was something that we do for ourselves. And I'm not gonna diss on all the things we think that are self-care activities because some of them work, but they only work for a short amount of time. And it's normal to feel good for a few hours or even a few days before you get you know, back into your routine and those thoughts and emotions and actions start to pile up again. As women, we've been told self-care is taking care of yourself with spa days, girls' night out, shopping sprees, yoga, you know, whatever, you name it. But self-care isn't a one-size-fits-all as it's been portrayed and advertised. Since you're here, you know that the importance of caring for yourself, um, but maybe you felt like it's not working for you. And there's three common overarching issues that I see from ambitious women, especially my clients, who are looking for a relationship or want to um, mend their relationship with their current um, partners. And first, even though I can say it provides relief and excitement to do whatever self-care activity you like, it doesn't last long and it can feel like a burden to keep up with on a regular basis. Next, since it's not something that you incorporate every single day in your daily life, it provides an escape or you know, sometimes an outlet from what you might be avoiding at work, um, what you're avoiding with your partner or just life in general. And last but not least, the combination of those first two that I mentioned causes us to be really disconnected from ourselves, especially our authentic selves. So all three of these play a part in our self-care routines that I'll be going over in a little bit. What is real self-care? It's shifting the focus from doing all the things like massages, online shopping, swiping on all the profiles, to slowing down and figuring out how to care for yourself in ways that are true to you and your future self. And real self-care does come with some issues for some women. Um, know that when you're ready to do this work, you might be a little scared, fearful, or even intimidated because most people don't want to open themselves up and see what they've been hiding from or what have they been running away from too. They also <laughs> don't want to be vulnerable, especially if they think they will make them look weak or too emotional in front of a potential or current partner. Then sometimes women think investing the time to work on themselves will keep them stuck for too long and they're going to miss the one and only person that they've been dreaming of. Of course, you may have, you know, your own issues around doing the inner work to care for yourself, but all the issues I mentioned can be known as like limitations holding us back from finding someone at our true level. So how do you differentiate between the self-care we learn to do and real self-care? Because honestly, I, I do love massages and getting my nails done and maybe you too. So is it self-care? So most self-care that we learned is considered reactive. So let's say you hurt your back somehow, or you had an injury, maybe like from a car accident and you decided to get a massage that would be reactive. 
Um, so real self-care is for caring for yourself, which is proactive. Here you might realize that having massage twice a month really helps, you know, reduce your stress. Um, and that ripple effects on your relationship, your performance at work and your health in general. So this is how massages could be considered a proactive self-care routine because you're actively working on your health for your future self. Now, going another layer deep to fully embrace the inner self for real self-care, um, let's say physical touch is difficult for you. Instead of getting a massage, you would, you know, work with a therapist to under, you know, uncover the trauma or what the issue might be or occurred for you to build a sense of safety and security when you're around others. So after going through these examples, what are some ways you've practiced both self-care and caring for yourself recently? Now that you know the difference between self-care and caring for yourself, I need to talk about the self-love and the missing links here. Self-love can get a bad rap because it can sound narcissistic and sometimes people even mold self-love and self-care together. But self-love is a deep understanding and acceptance of who you are without the influence of others, not without sacrificing yourself and not settling for less than you deserve. Real self-care is the starting point of inner work. And you know, there you can spot the gaps between self-care and self-love in a few ways, but this is the way that I see it and describe it to my clients. Those gaps are self-trust and self-worth. They definitely don't get talked about enough. I believe that all of these self-care, self-trust, self-worth, self-love are foundational aspects of a healthy relationship with yourself and having one with a partner. This is why a lot of us get stuck, you know, trusting ourselves, knowing our worth, because we've been told about self-care and self-love that they are, you know, spa days and glasses of wine with friends and taking repeating actions um, like affirmations and doing that over and over and over again. But another thing to notice here is that all of these are interconnected. When one is weak, you can lean on the other as it grows. But usually, from what I found, self-trust and self-worth are solo, but also non-existent when people haven't done the self-care work. And for all four of these, um, they can vary in a variety area of your life. So whether that's like, not just your love life, but maybe in your career, in your health. So think about which one you would need to work on the most as we continue going through the slides tonight. Okay, so now we're gonna normalize our self-care routines. A lot. And I mean, a lot of women can't stick to a routine of self-care. So don't beat yourself up for it, for not having um, you know any sort of routine down. And even if you wanted to have a regular routine, maybe you think, you know, you already do. Most women don't know what they really, you know, would like to have um, as a routine on a daily basis. And of course, this is going to ebb and flow. It's perfectly normal for your self-care routines to change during different seasons of your life. So 
You might even say that summertime you have one sort of self-care and then winter you have another, obviously real seasons. Or it could be own a business and your business is extremely busy. So you don't have the time to really do the self-care that you really want to do, but you know you can make room for it later. So another thing to think about too is that as you're practicing self-care, you're going to realize that you're going to outgrow some of your self-care routines. You're going to find something works for you and something doesn't after trying it a few times. So before we get into the self-care routines, I'm going to get into sabotaging behaviors. And these two slides that are coming up, this one included, is going to be a review for anyone who has attended previous masterclasses of mine. First, sabotaging behaviors are those that have become habits when we deal with a situation. And I'm specifically meaning though for your love life. And when you self-sabotage, you're meeting a need that is keeping you feeling safe and um, comfortable. And more than likely, this behavior has been meeting a need that is similar to a relationship that maybe you had um, when you were younger. And because it's meeting a need and keeping you comfortable, it's making you feel safe, secure, loved, or any other emotion that may give you motivation. But sometimes the sad part is that we get attached to these behaviors as a way to solve a problem or keep us from um, keep us feeling safe. So recognizing your sabotaging behaviors are going to help you start uncovering why it's there in the first place. These are some sabotaging behaviors I've seen with my clients um, and other ones I'm going to be sharing shortly with self-care examples. But, you know, some pretty basic ones are making excuses for yourself and others as a way to um, reassure yourself. Having the expectation that your partner can read your mind and automatically saying yes to you know others when they ask you to help even maybe when you've overcommitted yourself. So you may even notice a few sabotaging behaviors depend on what need they're meeting. From what I have seen with my clients and myself, um, the self-care and sabotaging behaviors can actually be very interconnected. So we'll get into that in a minute, but as you get to know yourself, your needs are going to change. So different sabotaging behaviors are also going to pop up. Okay. So the first sabotaging behavior, the fear of failure. I feel like this is something we all can relate to, especially as ambitious women. So basically you don't try whether that's in dating or in self-care, because you're afraid you will fail and it could ruin your reputation, make you look bad or feel left out from others. And if you're just starting out with caring for yourself, you fear that you can't do it more or do more than what you already have been doing because you won't do it right. The fear of failure happens when you're kind of stuck in this shitty shoulds, like I like to call it. You know, you should be taking care of yourself, but you don't. And so the problem here is that you're playing small and kind of almost just being controlled by your ego. You're afraid of acknowledging your needs to yourself. And this is how it impacts your relationship because you're not able to communicate those to others. And you might have difficulty processing the emotions that keep you from caring for yourself in ways that are healthy and meet your needs and are future focused for yourself. This can lead to issues within your relationships, like, like I said, communicating your needs, expressing your emotions in a healthy way, and caring for yourself that's beneficial to your partner and the relationship as a whole. 
So if the fear of failure is affecting your self-care, you might be attracting men who are looking for a woman who either goes with the flow because you're not communicating your needs or a man who only wants a woman who has like the idea of friends with benefits, especially so they don't have to be around any emotional outbursts. Next is busyness. This is very common um, way to self-sabotage yourself in dating, but it's something that people don't realize is a problem, let alone how it shows up in their self-care routines. So busyness is going to feel very satisfying. It creates a sense of achievement, but it kind of sometimes builds like a false sense of importance, whether that's with what you're doing or even just your ego in general. So you're going to basically be the person who's rushing from one thing to the next. And that includes rushing through caring for yourself because you see it as just another item to cross off your to-do list because you're proving to others that they can make time for self-care because you're a busy woman like yourself can do that. So being busy is a problem because it's going to distract you from really what's going on because you're either running from yourself or avoiding something altogether. It can become a habit so much so that it like compounds on top of each other. You know, all the thoughts and feelings from avoiding the moment that we're trying to push through. Then it really becomes difficult when all that's compounded to really know what's like pulling out the pieces, trying to figure out what we're truly avoiding or running from in the first place. When busyness shows up, when you're caring for yourself, you're also rushing through connecting with others. And because you're rushing through things in life, it's difficult to develop a deep and long lasting connection with someone as you're unable to be present and give that relationship the time and the attention it really deserves. If this sounds like you, there's a chance you attract men who only want like surface level relationships, or you could be ghosted by the other person because they don't think that you're really interested in them. Next is resistance. So this is second guessing self-care. It's when we have something new or amazing in our lives, but we can't get ourselves to do it or be involved. So here you have time for self-care, but you're really unsure if you really, if you want to make time for it in the first place, you resist, you know, trying to get anything like, you know, from a massage for future health benefits, or even avoiding digging into those inner work routines for numerous reasons. And Figuring out this reason is key to getting you out of resistance so that you can care for yourself in ways that suit you best. And resistance can mimic busyness in a way because you aren't really aware of why you're resisting in the first place. It can also mimic feel of um, fear of failure because you don't want to try anything new. But basically you have this internal conflict that is holding you back from taking care of yourself in ways that actually satisfy you. So getting yourself past this surface level questions of like, why is this happening in the first place can help you ditch resistance altogether. This impacts the communication in your love life in a few ways. So it's going to impact your communication between you and your partner as you seem indecisive and not only what you like to do for care for yourself, but you don't want to try any of their suggestions. 
plus you know something is bothering you, but you can't, you know, put a finger on it. You can't explain it to your partner. So you have trouble communicating your needs. And if you're in a relationship like this for a while, the resistance to caring for yourself, your partner may slowly like fade away from the relationship because they don't know how they can help you. When you are justifying, you're all you're really doing is making excuses, whether that's for yourself or someone else in your life. Yet when justification is affecting how you care for yourself, you're going to make excuses for your choices and actions around self-care. You probably feel accomplished, just like busyness, um, but you never have a sense of what I would like to say, like relief or satisfaction from the self-care choice that you made. So it can also mimic busyness just because it's another thing to say that you did today. Now, justification can also have you thinking that you just need to do more self-care. So whether that's more spa time or reading more self-help books, that you want to do that more often because you want to have the long-term effects from it. But even over time, nothing is really bringing the relief you're looking for and connecting for you. So you may end up thinking self-care really just isn't your thing. So you need to look at how your actions are affecting your care long-term. Checking more boxes may not give you the real care that you're looking for. You're going through the motions. So basically you're treating yourself like a checkbox. And most of the time when my clients say that they didn't get around to caring for themselves, like either, you know, in between sessions or before they come to me, we dig in and we either find that they don't think they deserve it or they don't think it works for them. So they stop this behavior, not only, you know, depletes caring for yourself, but self-worth. And when we factor in your self-care actions with your love life, what you're really doing is showing a potential or current partner how you like to be treated and what you will put up with in the relationship. Just like going through the motions and not feeling like you deserve a healthy relationship. Pride, like I mentioned it previously, pride can show up in a few different ways. And I've seen this with my clients who are really struggling with other sabotaging behaviors, ones that seem a lot um, more dominant. So for example, pride can show up imperfectionism because you want to seem perfect or um, flawless. It can show up in people pleasing as a way to control how you let, you know, how you help others and you resist anyone else who offers to help. And pride is self-sabotaging because you're taking into account what others, you know, what other people think about you and your life, not really what's going on. So let's say your close friend thinks you know, your spa day is ridiculous because of how expensive they've become. Even though you have a goal to save money for a home, you don't stop your spa day spending. And you don't do this because you don't want your friend to be right. Or maybe when I mention the difference between what we've been taught is self-care and what, you know, self really self-care is about caring about ourselves deeply, you thought I was wrong versus trying to learn more. Pride is getting in the way of relationship building from a place of you know, authenticity and honesty and reality. And it becomes more unhealthy, like at a larger scale when we don't make the decisions that we wanna do for ourselves. So for example, let's say you are over 
any social event on the weekends that involves drinking um, because you get horrible hangovers and headaches, but your friends, like they really love drinking and they think it brings you guys closer together. And you're like the champ at playing any of the bar drinking games. So you continue to attend all those weekend activities because you don't want to change how they see you. All right, so this one, conformity, is a self-sabotaging behavior that seeps into multiple behaviors like pride and the other ones that I'm gonna talk about coming up. So you're going along with the crowd because you want to belong. Even if you don't have time, energy, money, you do like the girl's weekend trip to an exclusive resort in like Salt Lake City. Your actions and your choices leave you feeling very disconnected from who you really are if you even know who you are in the first place. So conformity really you know, affects you as a whole. So when you start to feel like your action, the actions you take or even the people you're around no longer fit with who you wanna be or who you wanna become, you have an internal and external battle which can last you know, sometimes for months, but in reality could last for years. And some people even think about this like as a midlife crisis that maybe by the time you hit 40, 50, 60, all of a sudden you have this wake up moment where, holy cow, I've been doing all these things that I don't wanna do and having to rediscover yourself. So having the courage to like step away and look deeper into yourself is the truest form of caring for yourself, which is you know the answer of breaking free from conformity behavior. And when you think about conformity, you know, when you're out on a girl's night, you're just blending in. You're just another girl versus showing up as you in all your uniqueness and lovely ways. And not knowing yourself is the biggest mistake I see my clients make when they try to find a healthy relationship. So basically they start at square one of learning what they enjoy in life, not just in a partner. All of this together makes it difficult to engage authentically, uh, communicate your needs and set boundaries, plus so much more in your love life. This one is a pretty dominant sabotaging behavior, people pleasing. And even though it's similar to conformity, you're not just another girl in the crowd. Most of the time, people pleasing isn't your only issue with romantic relationships, but it's in all different types of relationships. You know, the coworkers, friends, family. Here, you're putting everyone's needs before yourself, which basically starves you from caring for yourself. Even when you do find time, let alone make time for yourself, you will feel obligated to say yes to others as a way to, you know, put yourself on the back burner. And when you do this, you're basically teaching people how you want to be treated, which is just a downfall with justification as well. You're basically saying caring for yourself is not a priority and you don't matter. Over time, this does build up resentment because people aren't reciprocating the same sort of actions that you take to care for them. And when you're in a relationship, your partner may change their behavior and expectations that you will be the one to take care of all of the things because you always do. The ripple effect leaves little room for you to take care of yourself. And if you do, you might feel like you don't deserve it because you could be helping your partner in some way. Last but not least, the sabotaging behavior of perfectionism. Perfectionism is connected to expectations of self 
And if you're a hardcore perfectionist, you might not want to present what you have or what you're doing until you think it's perfect. And usually it has to be perfect the first time around to meet your expectations. So you might try, you know, one way of caring for yourself and immediately you don't think you like it. So you throw it out as an option in the future. Or you don't think you put your face mask on perfectly. So you decide to try it again and again, but you do it with more structure and more restrictions to get it right. Um, a form of caring for yourself may not also reach the expectations, you know, not feeling that relief or satisfaction, which is very similar to the justification. Perfectionism, excuse me, becomes a problem when it keeps you from showing up as your authentic self even when it comes to caring for yourself. And if caring for yourself isn't meeting your expectations, you're going to throw in the towel. You're going to think that you're a failure, that you don't deserve, leading you down a path of other self-sabotaging behaviors like the fear of failure and justification, all of which affect your self-worth. And since you're a perfectionist, your trust in yourself gets it too. So like it breaks that down. So both self-worth and self-trust break down. But in your love life, you might think you don't actually know how to care for others, especially if you can't perfectly care for yourself. You might try, you know, the fake it till you make it and blend in with other people pleasing behaviors that hide your authentic self. You could also think that since you don't know how to care for yourself, it makes you a bad partner. So you avoid dating altogether. Okay. So by now, you know, at least one self-sabotaging behavior and how it's affecting you um, and your self-care and how it's affecting your love life. But what can you do about it? You can make shifts in how you care for yourself. So please know these three things. First, making shifts takes time because it will either take more deep inner work or take time to develop a new habit or new way of thinking. Next, not all of the shifts I mentioned today will be for everyone. So pick and choose one or maybe two you want to start with. And my favorite, what you decide to shift can impact all other areas of your life, like career, health, finances, and more. Finding ways to care for yourself is going to eventually lead you to having a deeper connection to yourself which brings up additional benefits in your love life. Like I said, this isn't about a one-size-fits-all, but it's a lifelong process that's going to change over time because you're going to grow as you do this and you'll be growing into the person that you want to become. But what are these shifts? The one I like to bring up with my clients after a few sessions is creating boundaries. Know that boundaries are more for yourself than for others, yet you still need to be able to communicate them. But how often do you communicate a boundary and, you know, someone breaks it or do you let it slide and, you know, maybe give someone a second chance? When you don't take an action after a boundary is broken, especially when it's been communicated, you're breaking it for a second time with your future self. If you truly desire change for yourself, you have to take action from breaking the boundary. Here, holding yourself accountable for not only possible backlash from others, 
but also breaking a connection with someone is going to be very difficult, but only for the short term, because you're investing in your future self for the long term when you communicate and discuss those repercussions of breaking a boundary. So what do you need to know about setting boundaries? Creating boundaries will be easier for some than for others. And for my people pleasers, this is going to be uncomfortable um, and it's completely normal. I remember having my issues with being comfortable with setting boundaries. So first, you always have three choices. In any situation, you can say yes, you can say no, or you can negotiate. You can take all the time to consider all those options before replying. And one of my favorite lines from my days back in corporate world was, let me think about that and I will get back to you. Next, state your boundaries by being clear and to the point. You don't need to apologize or over-explain the boundary. This is one of my favorite shifts and it can really make a difference. So discovering your core values. So think of a core value as, or core values in general as um, your compass. It's gonna help you navigate what's important to you and where you wanna go in your life. So not just even your love life, but everywhere. Yet when I talk to most of my clients, you know, either they don't have any values or they have like too many. Um, when I first started my values, I had 10. And after reading Dare to Lead by Dr. Brene Brown, I found out that you can narrow them down to two. You can do this as well. It, it takes time, but it's totally worth it. And having two only gives you two forks in the road when there's an issue that comes up or there's a choice to make. So for example, does your current job make you feel energized and excited? Or do you feel like you have to drag yourself out of bed each morning? Your current company or maybe even your current career path might not be aligned to your values. And if you have fewer values, you're going to be able to see what's going on in the first place. Okay, so in order to determine your values, you need to know a few things. Like I said, this process can take more time and some self-discovery, but you can look over a variety of lists of values. Um, and I know that the one I have for my clients is about 120 because a lot of people like a lot of different things. Um, but that's going to help you not only align to yourself, but like I said, what's important to you. Next, those shitty shoulds are going to come right back here because if you've never done this before, you're going to think you need to choose this value over another one because your mom said this or your best friend said that. Each person's values are unique to them. So let go all the shoulds as they come up. Also, you're gonna to wanna to reevaluate your core values every once in a while. So maybe that's every year or two in order to see if they still align with what's important to you. It's honestly, for me, it was really frustrating to do this at first, but know that when your values start to shift, you are growing. Okay, so this is a bigger shift. Um, this is leaning into both the both and and dynamic. So taking in this way of thinking can be a can be complex, to be honest. So especially if you have sometimes what I like to call the perfectionist mindset, which is like all or nothing, um, sometimes also known as like black and white thinking. 
because you see things as like good and bad only. Both and allows for gray areas and overlapping of the paradox of two things that can be true at the same time. So for example, when I decided to leave my ex-husband, I could say I had two different thoughts. Was I oblivious to my ex-husband's behavior because I wanted to be loved and achieve my goal of getting married? Or was I the brave woman who figured out what she wanted, wanted something more and chose herself? I am both of those. So in order to practice the both and and, this is still going to take more time. It's going to take more time probably than the core values because you need to make space for reflection. And usually you do this through journaling. I recommend picking a past moment, maybe one, I don't know if a too recent one or whichever you would like, but something that definitely like bothers you still to this day. What you will do is think of different personas of yourself and see how that would appear in your situation. So how would your caring side show up and narrate that story? How would your motivated side narrate that story? You also, if you have trouble with this, a good way to get started is to think of how you would support a friend in a similar situation, or even maybe what your friends that are similar to you have similar values, how they would handle the situation. So you can start pulling in and thinking of those both and and that fit best for you. Then see how you can come up with two truths to, for yourself to help you mend this moment that is that has been bothering you. Okay, so how do these affect your love life? This is fantastic because I've already started talking about the ripple effects, right? So they ripple outward as you go through all of these processes I just mentioned. It's not like you have to start one and then once you finish, the, it ripples into your relationships. No, from the day you start working on yourself, there will be ripple effects in your relationships, in your life, in all areas. Like I mentioned with perfectionism, like you can just start seeing these as it happens, but let's get into these details. Working through the three shifts, to care for yourself is going to help you create the other areas mentioned earlier, like self-trust, self-worth, and self-love. They're going to deepen all those areas and they'll all build at different times, depending on, you know, which shift you work on first. When you do the inner work, the self-discovery, the reflection, you're going to notice patterns from your past that are holding you back. You're going to see how certain aspects of your love life are connected, whether that's how you made certain decisions, or maybe that's like you have a type that you date. You will then gain the clarity of what you want in your life, what you want in a relationship and a partner. You'll have better direction of where you want to go in your love life. And this is going to help you make, you know, efficient decisions, you know, with your core values, creating solid boundaries and expanding your both and thinking to see other people's perspectives as well. So if this sounds like a lot, it's completely understandable, completely normal, give yourself some grace because this does take time for sure. But if you do want to do this work on another level, I have an option for you. 
So working through self-care, self-trust, self-worth, and self-love is a third of what I'm going to be covering in building love inside and out. We will be working through peeling back the layers to get to that core self we talked about so you can show up authentically. We're going to challenge limiting beliefs, interpretations, and assumptions in your love life. We're going to recognize relationship myths, dating patterns, sabotaging behaviors that are holding you back from the love that you desire and deep down, you know, you deserve. And then we're going to talk about creating solid boundaries, discovering what you want your relationships and a man beyond those qualities and characteristics so that you have a solid foundation when it comes to elevating your standards to date your, at the next level. And then of course, settle, um, setting yourself up for success with a sense of knowing, intuition, self-confidence, so that you can choose yourself first while having the patience that the right man is out there for you. So applications close on September 1st, and I'm accepting 10 women only into the program. I'm going to be sharing a link to the application in the email with the replay. Wow, I am still shocked at how long the masterclass really was. I'm so glad these ladies who were live and watched the recording enjoyed it. So much so that I decided to share it with all of you here on the podcast. Now, if you enjoyed it, this is exactly what it's going to be like on Tuesdays within Building Love at Inside and Out. I will go deep into each week's theme and topic so that you can really make changes in your love life. And I'll be available to you Monday through Friday to help you when you have a question or feel like you're stuck so we can keep your progress going. Don't forget that you will receive additional support through the weekly check-in form and two individual coaching sessions after week three. Overall, you are your greatest investment and you are the only one who can make these shifts in your love life. The ones you imagine happening with you and your ideal partner. So join me and nine other women in the eight week group coaching course, where we will break patterns that are keeping you stuck, create the boundaries needed in love, elevate your standards so you can be in charge of your love life and leave you feeling empowered with that sort of next level confidence so that you can make efficient decisions needed to have the love life that you desire with a partner. Thank you ladies for listening. And I will talk to you next time.